Hey, Weston, welcome to the Sermon Podcast of the Week. We hope you find encouragement through this message and God speaks to you in new ways. Our challenge to you is if you can share this link with a friend or family member for them to be encouraged to. Amen. I pray you're ready for the word this morning. And like we could just close in prayer. And we've heard like a four-part sermon from Trey. I don't know where I can't. Four-part outline with a conclusion. I love, I love it. I love it. I, I just, before, I feel like my sermon is already like not important in one sense. But, but hear me for a second. I want to take a moment to just share with you some things you might not know. Uh, Dorota told us last week in the class that she was watching online. And like, I think this is your husband. Welcome. We're grateful to have you guys here. But it's amazing at what God is doing and, and what avenues he's using. We saw Madison Morone. Now, uh, Madison, I felt so old when she shared this, but she's like, my grandmother would bring me here. I was like, wait a minute. Do you remember me from 10 years ago? And she's like, yes. I was like, I feel really old. It's hitting me. But there's the power of a praying grandmother who brought her, oh, Madison, you're right there, who, who brought her granddaughter to church. Look, look at that, the legacy that's there. And then Trey, who through Pastor Soom last Sunday said, can I get baptized? I've never made this public declaration of my faith. There are so many stories. There are so many stories. So never underestimate how God might use you. And so you are vital, you are important. And here's the beauty about Baptism Sunday. We aren't called to be closet Christians. And so that's why this is a public declaration of faith. It's not something we're supposed to be embarrassed about or ashamed about. It's something that I take a firm stand. And it's me and Jesus, the world behind me. The cross before me, no turning back. And that's enough for me. And so today, in the time that we do have, if you have your Bible open to John chapter 3, the title of the message is Born Again. Born Again. And we're going to jump right in for the sake of time. But here's John chapter 3. Before we get there, I just want to read the tail end of chapter 2. And it's going to give us a little more insight on who Jesus is. So it says, Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them. Why? Because he knew all about people. Think about that. Jesus knows all about people, which also means he knows all about you. He could read your mail, no problem. Verse 25, no one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Now that's very alarming for some if you're hiding things. But for those who have nothing to hide and they've allowed Jesus in, you, you have no shame because you say, Jesus, these are the areas that I need you to touch. And guess what? He does when you allow him to. 
But no one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Now the story jumps. Chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to introduce you to a man called Nicodemus. And let's read it together. There's a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And note this. After dark one evening. After dark. So he wasn't showing up publicly. He wasn't showing up during the daylight But after dark, on purpose, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, listen to this answer. I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, listen, no one, say no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must Be born again. We're going to stop there just for a minute. And I want to unpack up to now what we've heard so far. Because there's a lot in here already. But we see Nicodemus is showing up. And it's interesting. Who's Nicodemus? He's a Pharisee or or a Jewish, Jewish religious leader of the Sanhedrin. Like he was a big deal. And he would have known the law front and back. And he should have known pretty much anything that you would try to throw at him. And so it's interesting that he's showing up after dark. Because he didn't want his peers, his other Pharisees, his colleagues perhaps, to see that he actually had an interest in the person and work and ministry and life of this man called Jesus. You see, Nicodemus was anxious to avoid giving anyone the impression that he intended to become a committed disciple. It was in secret. It was not something that he was necessarily wanting others to notice, unlike those who were baptized today. And so he comes up to Jesus and note, he says, Rabbi, like he's addressing him, showing like, I understand you're a man of authority. And he's saying even the evidence is in the miracles that God has sent you to teach us. And it's amazing because he actually was genuinely, genuinely impressed by what Jesus said and did. He recognized him as a teacher from God. But it would seem that he was actually wanting to know more about him. And therefore, that's why Nicodemus' approach was in obscurity, you know, so that no one else could understand what maybe was happening on the inside of his life. But here's what I want you to note as well. No matter how intelligent or well-educated you are, you must come to Jesus with an open mind and heart. Because as a Pharisee, they walked around, they were proud. Oh, when they prayed, they wanted you to hear them pray. When they gave, they wanted you to take note of the fact that they were... And when they would fast, Matthew chapter 6, you can read it. 
and 7. Read it about prayer. But Jesus specifically points out what the Pharisees do and how they do it. But here is Nicodemus, and he's coming to Jesus. And you have to, if you're going to grow, and you have to humble yourself. You have to come with an open mind to understand, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, Isaiah 55. And therefore, I also need an open heart. You know, we don't come to church and sit under preaching, the preaching of God's word, only for information. It has to lead to transformation. And the transformation is right here. In, in my heart of hearts. And so it's important. Yes, I want to learn. Take notes. Sometimes I'll even say the Greek word for baptism is baptizo. And it means to fully immerse. And you write it down. But if that's all it is, is just a bunch of notes on a page and it actually does not lead to transformation of your inward life, then it's been in vain still. Then it's just head knowledge and not for actual transformation. But this is what God longs to bring to your life today. Transformation. You know, when we look at what Jesus says, I'm going to get there in just a minute, but there's a, a commentary. It's the Tyndale New Testament commentary, and it had this note that I want to share. It says, But as soon as Nicodemus had paid his compliments to this unprofessional rabbi, because Jesus didn't go by the norm or the standard of the day, Jesus cut away from under his feet all ground for self satisfaction. Jesus just went, Shh. everything he thought uh, was going to be entitled, uh, that he was going to be entitled to, Jesus actually said, well, actually, no one will see the kingdom unless you are born again. And that's what he responded with. Because, you know, at first read, you might say, what an odd response. You know, he's coming to Jesus saying, surely you're from God. And we've, the evidence is there. And he's like, unless you're born again. <laughs> like, you might not understand it. But Jesus was actually speaking very profoundly into this Pharisee, Nicodemus' life. Because he thought, no, 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 because of my race as a Jew, I am entitled to the kingdom of God. And Jesus was saying, oh, no, no, but unless you are born again, no one will see it. And then he reiterates and says, no one will enter it. And this is why we said it was like a cutting of all self-satisfaction. Because Jesus was actually saying, no, you, you will not receive this. Ultimately, if you read the rest of the story, unless you believe in me. And it's amazing, Gloria, today, I'm skipping ahead to our text, John 3, but chapter 16 is where we find the scripture that I think it was Gloria, she quoted. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Wow. Wow. So we're going to see this progression because Jesus starts with this idea of being born again. And then he says it again. He has to reiterate it to Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus in verse 4 says, What do you mean? How can someone be born again from their mother? And Jesus clearly is not talking about that kind of physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth. And so the physical birth happens once. And then there's a spiritual birth that happens through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us this new life. And, and listen, I shared this with those getting baptized today. 
that when you come to Jesus and you are born again, it's not like he's repairing or patching your old life. One of the pictures of baptism is the death, burial, but then resurrection, being raised to new life. So you're not just uh, version 2.0, Joseph. It's not just like a patch up here, a patch up there. No, no, no. You are brand new. Brand new. He makes you brand new when you come to him. And listen, it's not the water, by the way. Those who were baptized, I shared this last week. There's nothing special at all about the water. It's just symbolic of what Christ has already done. The transforming work of Christ already done in your heart. And you are brand new. So don't think, well, tomorrow's Monday and it's going to be same old, same old. You know, yes, this was good and I had all the feels and the butterflies and I feel light as a feather. But you are not the same. When you come to Jesus, he makes you a new creation. And how many of you know what God creates is good? So as a new creation, you are good. What does being born again signify? Let me share with you simply. Being born again signifies a change from one state of being to another. So it's not a physical change at all, although an inward transformation should lead to a different outward life that you begin to live in Christ. So rather than just a physical change, though, a person's spirit is renewed or comes alive by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what being born again means. And so there's a coming alive when you come to Christ for the first time. And he makes you alive in Christ. And that's why Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full or live life more abundantly. Because he's come to awaken new life. Back to my Tyndale New Testament commentary just for a moment. It says this, no doubt he, Nicodemus, was longing for that kingdom to come, for he would assume that he would have the right to enjoy the blessings, not only because of the privileges which belong to his race, listen, but also as a reward for his loyalty to Pharisaic traditions. He thought, because I've done everything right, and I follow the law, and I've done this, and I hold others accountable, that I deserve to be a part of the kingdom. But Jesus said, no, no, no. It's, it's about being born again. And so I want to say this to all of us today, and I'm not excluded from this either, but you can know about Jesus and still not be born again. You see, Nicodemus said, we know there's evidence of who you are and where you're from. But Jesus said, that's not good enough. Knowing about it is not good enough. Unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. You can sit on a pew every Sunday and not be born again. Just like I could sit in McDonald's and I'll never become a Big Mac. But up, pastor joke maybe. But it's true. You can go to Weston Youth and not be born again. You know, and I know we've been saying, hey, there's some activities through the summer, but really that's to bring the youth group together. But don't be, don't be fooled or misled. Come September 9th at launch, they're going to get Jesus. They're going to receive ministry 
for where they're at in life and where they need it most. And Pastor Suman and the team are ready, and they're, they're ready to serve our young people. So parents with, with youth, high school students, bring them Friday nights. Bring the young adults, you know how to get here. You Uber it, some of you. Some of you walk here. But we're going to be here Friday nights, and God is going to move, and he's going to show up. But again, just showing up is not enough it does, unless you're born again. You can do good things and not be born again. You hear me? You can go through the motions. I signed up for salt and light. I signed up for the banquet, the 60th. I, I'm even going to sign up because I love toddlers and they're so preschool kids. They're so cute. But unless you're born again, it's a heart work that Jesus does through his Holy Spirit. Listen, you can know the whole of Scripture and not be born again. And, and I, I've met them, people who are on fire, they've gotten saved, even here in our own church. And then I, it's almost like a flip of a switch where from the heart, it just got stuck in the head. You follow what I'm saying? And it was just like, whoa, well, did, what was Jesus saying? And, well, I don't, and it was all about debating what the scripture really say. And on the, not even the majors, it's the minors, the non-essentials. And it just gets stuck in the head. And sadly, I've seen them leave church and go right back into the old lifestyle. Why? Because they thought they, were, they knew everything. And you can't teach me anything. I, I read the Bible and I know the Bible. Good. Do you know the God of the Bible? Do you know Jesus? Not just know about Him. Do you walk with Him? Do you talk with Him? That's really what we're talking about this morning. So based on Nicodemus, he thought, well, because... I've done everything right. Surely this should be my inheritance. He was rudely disturbed and awakened and disrupted from his life with Jesus' words, unless you are born again. Verse 4, we said, what do you mean? I'm just trying to catch up in my notes. But verse 5, Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And this was a revolutionary concept for this Pharisee. You need to see it. Jesus' kingdom is personal, not national or ethnic. Can someone say amen? Right? It's not, he thought, because I'm a Jew, I'm entitled to this. And so, no, the kingdom is personal. And his entrance requirements are simply this, repentance and spiritual rebirth. I repent of my sin. Sin is missing the mark. God says, this is, this is my expectation, but I've missed the mark. And I repent. Instead of doing things Jonathan's way, now I'm doing them God's way with, with the help of his Holy Spirit. That's really what repentance means. And, and I've changed the course of my life and destiny because of what Jesus has done. Such a complete reorientation is an experience that is like physical birth, for it is an emergence from darkness into light when the restricted and confined are at last free. And so if you think of a baby in a womb, right? It's darkness in a safe place, so to speak, in the womb. But from darkness, it emerges and it finds light. The same way for the sinner 
who comes to Christ. Not that the darkness is comfortable, but there is a level of comfort that people find in their sin. And that's why the patterns get repeated over and over. It's, oh, I am back in the rut because it's easy to land back in the rut or in the ditch. But here's the thing. When you emerge out of darkness, you find the light. And I want to submit to you, we're going to jump to another part. I'm just going to kind of do away with my notes if that's okay. But I'm going to stay on task. The Bible says in John 3, if you go down, right? We read verse 16, and I quoted it just like Gloria did. God loves you, sent his one and only son. Why? So that we might have eternal life. A lot of times, this is the most quoted Bible passage, but look at the very next verse, 17. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. To save the world through him. Just before he gets to this part, this is Jesus speaking though. If you look back, he gives an example of Moses. Because he's trying to show Nicodemus from the conversation about being born again. He's now tying it to his messianic mission as Lord and Savior. And so he's like, well, you know Moses, and you could find this in Numbers 21, that he says he had to lift up this bronze serpent. And what had happened is the Israelites were sinning, and, and they were being, God sent poisonous snakes to bite them. Follow me for a second, it's going to make sense. And they were being bitten by these poisonous snakes, and they were, get, like some of them were dying. They were sick. And they came up to Moses, and they're like, Moses, we're sorry. We sinned against God and you because they were complaining about where they were. And they're like, can't we go back to our old life in Egypt? And God was leading them to the promised land. But listen, so God said, okay, I'm going to save my people. He said, Moses, fashion a similar serpent or snake out of bronze. Put it on this pole, lift it up. And to everyone who looks on this, they will not receive the penalty of death. But they will be healed and their life will be restored. In the same, this Jesus pointing back. And then he comes right back and he goes, in the same way, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And it says it in the scripture in verse 15. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Will have eternal life. And you will not receive the penalty for your sin. Because of what Jesus does, again, it's not head knowledge. It was never meant to stay here. It's meant for your heart to transform you from the inside out. From the inside out. And back to the judgment part, verse 17, he said, It's not my tummy, it's the water from the baptismal tank. It's going to happen this, every baptism service. It'll be like this, it's okay. It'll be a few seconds and... Amen. <laughs> Where was it? Judgment. Yes. <laughs> Verse 17. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge, but to save the world so that you might have eternal life. Did you know that in this conversation, it starts very specific with Nicodemus? But in verse 7, when he says, you, he's reiterating, you must be born of water and spirit. The you becomes plural. The you becomes plural in the original language. 
The reason being is because Jesus wasn't just speaking now to Nicodemus in a specific personal way that the kingdom has to come to him, but to the entire world. That's what leads into this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever, that means anyone, no matter your past, no matter your life story, no matter the labels that have been placed on you, no matter your education, no matter your financial status, doesn't matter. Whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus is not come, he didn't come as judge, he came as a savior. The savior of the world. But there is a judgment that comes to those who reject him as Lord and Savior. And this is where I want to land the plane in this message today. I want to read again, picking up at verse 18. Here's what it says. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Think about that. Now this isn't like a Oh, I'm stumbling, I'm struggling in my faith. This is for people who say, I've heard it, but I reject it. No, thank you. And they close the door to what God has done for them through the person of Jesus Christ. And so, if you know, I know this, many of your stories here. God's too real for me to be like, sorry. I've seen too many good things that he's done for me to have doubt at this point in my life. We've heard too many stories of how, what God has done for me to say, nah, thank you God, it was a good run, but we're done. No, the evidence is still there, friend. The evidence is all around us as we look. And the evidence is in, is in you. You are the evidence. You carry the salt and light of God to this world. That's the evidence that has been given to you and me. And so he says here, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, verse 18, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Look at the next verse, verse 19. Listen to this. I read that fast on purpose. And the judgment is based on this fact. Everyone say fact. It's, it's not a trivial thing. Jesus is being extremely clear on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. Why? For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it. Why? For fear their sins will be exposed. Why? For fear. Fear of what? That what they're doing in secret will be seen in the light. But this is what he's calling us out of, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Verse 21, but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they, that they are doing what God wants. This morning, I'm asking you a simple question. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? I'm not talking about how many years have you been attending a church or Weston. I'm saying, have you truly committed your life to Christ? Have you truly given him the reins of your life to say, Lord, wherever, whenever, I follow. Whatever you say, God, I follow. You begin to live not for yourself, but for his glory. 
And you say, Lord, everything, all my achievements, all my accomplishments, all my success, it's for your glory. It's, it's a part of my story, but it's for your glory. It's a part of my life, but it's your glory, God. Have you been born again? Again, not from your biological mother, but from the Spirit of God. That you are brand new from the inside out. You know, you hear me give salvation calls every single Sunday, but maybe some of you need this message to fully understand what God is actually calling us to. And it's to transform you from the inside out. And I'm telling you, there's no joy like the joy that comes from the Lord. You know, I remember the day. I was 16 years old when I was baptized in water. I grew up in the church. I didn't know a day away from the church, but I meant business at 16. And I, I remember, I thought, like, I'm good. Never been drunk. Never been clubbing. Never did drugs. Never did any of those things. But there was still a heaviness. How do, how do I know? Because I felt it all lift when I came out of the water. I was as light as a feather floating on cloud nine. I told our baptism class last week. And, and the joy filled my soul. And I still remember the hymn as it came up out of There's a new name written down in glory. <laughs> yes, it's mine. Anyone know that hymn? Amen. And, I rem and I'll never forget because that was my moment. That was my day, and I said, Lord, thank you. I'll never be the same again. It was 19, April 1997. Today, six of you will remember this day for the rest of your life, and in fact, we all should. But I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Priscilla, would you come back to the piano just for a moment as we get ready to close today? I cannot dismiss this service without giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Before I give you the opportunity, don't be a Nicodemus who was ashamed, who didn't want others to know, and wanted to do it in secret. He came to Jesus at night. You know, you're in probably the safest place to say, hey, I need Jesus. And I need a life transformation from the inside out. I, I want to be born again. And it's a work of His Spirit that's done on the inside. So I can't look around here and know, oh, surely it's this person or it's, it's this woman or this guy. I, I don't know. I don't know who's in the room today. I don't know who's watching online today. And it's easy to fool me. You can dress the part and, and look the part, play the part. But remember how we started this message today. I'm going to reread it, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Listen to this. But Jesus didn't trust those people. They trusted in him, but he didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. So my friend today, this is not a game and this is not a, a stage where we perform and act a part. But today within the sound of my voice, if you're here and you're like, man, I need this to be a part of my story today. Right here in the presence of people who love you, who just like we cheered on the six who were baptized, 
we're ready to cheer you on if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus today. And so I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your head. Our heart is not to embarrass anyone, but I, I don't know who I'm, I'm praying with. I don't know who's here in the room saying, Pastor, count me in today. Count me in. So here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to count to three and just say, if you mean business today, would you lift your hand? And I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance, but then spiritual renewal to say, Lord, come. I need to be born again today of the Spirit. If that's you and you want to receive Christ, on the count of three, let me see your hand. One, two, three. I see that hand right in the front, my sister. Anyone else today? In Jesus' name. Don't be a Nicodemus. It's not a nighttime thing. I see the hand at the back right there. Amen. 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 Come on, I'll wait one more moment before we pray. I see these two hands right here. Come on. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We got four in the room, and I don't know how many online. But the Bible says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. That means the work that Jesus did for us on the cross as our Lord and Savior, it's a finished work, but now you go and you sleep in peace knowing if this is my last breath, this is my last day. Trey, you shared some crazy stories about near death, about drive-by shootings and all of that. But listen, we don't know tomorrow. And so the decision that people are making in this room today is amazing. And so I'm going to lead us in this prayer. Would everyone in this room pray together with those who lifted their hands? Say, Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to, make, to be made brand new. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God, you raised them from the dead. And so I give you my life now. I repent of my sin. And I turn to follow you, Jesus. Help me to serve you all the days of my life. And I thank you that I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we say amen today? And we rejoice with those who lifted up their hands to receive new life in Christ. I have an important next step for you each to take before you leave this place. Um, I'll address the people in the room and then those online in a second. So there's a blue connect card in the seat in front of you. We ask you to fill it out. Before you leave, hand it in at the desk, just on your right side. It's very important. We want to follow up with you. We want to give you a gift and, and put it in your hands. It's called Following Jesus. And basically, it's like, I've made this decision. Now what? What are the things I'm supposed to do? Um, so please, the second thing is come back. Come back. You don't need a second invitation if you're here today in the room come back. If you, if you have another church that you attend, get planted in the house and be, be, be a vessel that God can use for his kingdom now. 
and what God is doing in you, we want to see multiplied in others that don't know him. So find a church that you can call home. Uh, this, there are a lot of great churches in Toronto. I'm just going to put it out there. I think this is one of them. This is a great church for you to call home if you don't have one already. Um, and if you're watching online, there's a QR code for you to click or scan rather, or click the digital connect card that you can find in the video description. Fill it out. We'll follow up with you. And if you're watching online, maybe you don't live in the area, let us know and we'll be happy to find you a great church that you can physically get connected to and make a difference for Jesus. Listen, as we close today, who do you know in your life that doesn't know Jesus? I'm sure you could at least name one, probably five or ten, if I'm honest. Would you write their name down, maybe in your phone, somewhere where you'll see it? And I just feel this of the Lord. Let's begin to pray for these people. And, and in advance, pray first and then invite second. Invite second. Let us be a church that brings people to Christ. And maybe the first step is you talking to them. Maybe the, another step would be inviting them to attend. But even if they never set foot in the church, have those conversations one-on-one. -on -one. But be a praying church. Write their names down and say, Lord, who are the people? Lead me Lead me to those conversations that I need to have. Maybe it's a neighbor. You're, you live in a new area. And God is, is saying, get out of your comfortable nest and your cocoon and get to know some neighbors and in, invite them to Jesus. Not to church necessarily. You have everything you need to invite them to Jesus. Amen. Um, just before we close, Madison, um, I felt last week, but I don't, I was like, God, is this really you? But God has a special plan for your life and you've been struggling and wrestling with the purpose, the why, and what God is actually doing in your life. Um, maybe you have a lot of questions that you're trying to have answered and you kind of like you've just been butting heads against a wall. Um, I just feel the Lord is wanting me to say that to you, number one. But number two, um, the seeds that were sown in your youth you're going to start to see the fruit and the harvest in these years that are coming now. And I don't know, maybe I know your grandmother by face, but if she was here, I would run down and give her a big hug. So can you give her a hug on my behalf? And, and I want to say what started today for everyone who was baptized and those of you who lifted up your hand and gave your hearts to the Lord, listen carefully. This isn't the end. This is the beginning of what God is doing in your life. Just like my wedding day wasn't the end. It was the beginning of the marriage. And every day we grow more and more in love. And so hear me today. This is the beginning of what God is going to begin to show and unfold and unlock and especially Madison, for you, not just for you, you're not like, I just felt though. But for those of you in the room who were baptized today, this is the beginning. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And church, for all of us, we need to get used to this. I'm going to say it one more time. We need to get used to this. Because our prayers, Lord, don't just bring the people who have neat and tidy stories and lives 
but those who are broken, hurting, um, who had no hope but found hope. And, and I'm just sensing, and I'm going to say this, there's a prophetic uh, voice coming right here at the close of the service, but between now and December, look around, but we're going to see the multiplication of what God is beginning to do. And, and that now makes sense to what I said earlier about write some names down and begin to pray. Those are the two action steps that I'm asking. If you call Weston your home church or if you call yourself a believer, write some names down as the Lord would give you. Start praying before you ever start inviting because it's your prayer that's going to soften the ground of their heart that when the seed does finally go in, it's going to sprout up really quickly. And so can we get ready? Can we get ready, church? Come on, the fall is going to be exciting. God's going to move. And I don't want anyone here to miss out on that. We're a part of it. Amen. So let's pray as we close this service. God, I thank you for what you're doing here and now. But Lord, it doesn't stop here. It, it continues as we dismiss. Lord, I thank you that as the church, yes, we gather, but as we dismiss, Lord, church doesn't stop. That's where the light has to shine. That's where the salt has to be flavorful, that we would express, God, your nature and your character and your love to this world. Jesus, I thank you that you came into this world to relate with us to redeem us, but then you rose to represent us before the Father who is in heaven. And so God, I thank you that you've given us an advocate, Lord, and, and we have the Holy Spirit now. So Holy Spirit, as we go from this place, would you begin to lay on our heart the names of those that we should write down and begin praying for. God, I thank you that through your Spirit, you soften hard hearts and you bring heart of stone to a heart of flesh in Jesus name. Lord, I thank you in advance for the many souls that will come to know the saving power of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for those who've given their hearts to you today. And it's not the end, it's the beginning, God. And so Holy Spirit, we say, come Lord, come, we're ready, we will follow. Lead us into those divine appointments this week. And I thank you, Lord, that as you transform lives, we are never the same again. So, Lord, you are doing something new. You're not repairing old things, but what the work you're doing is brand new. And, Lord, may we have spiritual ears to hear what you're saying and spiritual eyes to perceive in advance what you are getting us ready for, God. We say yes, Lord, and amen for all of it, according to your will for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to our message today. If you feel led to give to our ministry today, go check out our website, westgrovechurch.com forward slash give, and we'd really appreciate it. We hope you have a blessed day.